0: Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Cool? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, can we trust the New Testament documents? I mean, how do we know that the New Testament we have now is the one the apostles actually wrote down? I mean, haven't errors crept into the text over the centuries? And how do you answer someone, someone like, say, a Bart Ehrman, who says that there are thousands of textual variants, so we can't trust the New Testament documents? And of those variants, how many important doctrines have been thrown into doubt because of them? What are some of the famous manuscript discoveries, and do we really have enough manuscripts to reconstruct the original New Testament documents? Well, there's probably no better person on the planet to talk about this than Dr. Dan Wallace. Dan is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's been there for many years. He's contributed to more than 30 books. He's been the president of the Evangelical Theological Society, and he's also on a bit of an Indiana Jones-type mission right now with the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts, and he's going to describe what that is. He's also teaching a new course online that you can access through crossexamine.org that begins on October 30th. We're going to talk all about that today. In fact, it's it, we've had this show for several years, and I've never had Dr. Wallace on it, but it's a big oversight. He's one of the foremost New Testament scholars out there, particularly when it comes to the New Testament manuscript script, so it's a pleasure to have Dr. Wallace on. Dan, great to have you.
1: Well, gee, with an introduction like that, Frank, I can hardly wait to hear what I have to say.
0: <laughs> Neither can I. Now, <laughs> uh, we're, we're go- we we're want to talk about a lot today. We want to cover the waterfront, and in fact, today we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to make history, and we'll tell you about that a little bit later in the program with the Center uh, for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. You can actually help us preserve manuscripts forever digitally. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but first, uh, Dan, I want to ask Ask you about this whole concept of textual criticism because when we, when when the layman hears textual criticism, the layman sort of thinks, well, it sounds like you're sort of skeptical of the Bible, but that's not really it. What is New Testament criticism really about?
1: Well, the word criticism, when it's used for biblical studies, really means research. And at times it has to do with investigating is this historically true? Did, did, did this person actually write the book? Uh, textual criticism has to do with textual research. That is, can we arrive at the original text by uh, reconstructing what we have from the manuscripts that are available today? So everybody. Everybody who's ever worked on the New Testament uh, since uh, the originals were lost had to do some sort of reconstruction of the original, and that has turned into uh, much more of a science in the last 135 years. So... All we're doing is just trying to reconstruct that original text. What happened to
0: the originals? Why don't we have the originals?
1: I think they probably uh, must have disappeared by the end of the second century. And the reason is that they they were copied and copied and copied. They were all written on papyrus rolls to begin with. And uh, through uh, very frequent copying, they just flat out worn out. We don't really have any substantial evidence that they existed beyond about AD 200, and uh, there's some Church Fathers who claim that the original still existed, but the, their, their evidence is, is by itself. Um, we just don't have any uh, uh, validation of that. What that tells us is that because of the frequent copying of the manuscripts, we have the words of the original somewhere in the manuscripts uh, down through the ages.
0: Now, what is the process that you go through and other scholars go through, then, to reconstruct the original? If we don't have the originals, how do we reconstruct it?
1: Well, we reconstruct it uh, by using two distinct methods in combination with each other, and I don't want to get into the, the details too much right now. That's, uh, we'll reserve that for the, uh, the course, Right. but uh, there's there's two aspects. One is called internal evidence, and the other is external evidence. External evidence has to do with looking at the materials that we have related to the text of the New Testament. And these are in three uh, broad categories. We have Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. We have ancient versions or translations of the New Testament in several different languages, going back very early, some of them. And we have quotations from the New Testament by church fathers from the end of the first century all the way through the thirteenth is typically how we we count those that's that's all the the, the the data for external evidence which is absolutely massive. Then we have internal evidence which is trying to wrestle with what would the author be likely to have written and what would the scribe uh likely have have done to change the text because we do see changes in the manuscripts and it's, it's difficult at times to determine what's the original wording what would the author be likely to have written and and what are the motivations for the scribes to change the text to something other than the original so that's that's it in a nutshell what we do
0: now are these some of the things you're going to be teaching in the class in the in the new testament uh, criti- textual criticism class. What, what are some of the uh, what are some of the topics you're going to be getting into in this
1: class? Yeah, we'll we'll deal with uh, a, a number of different topics. I think it's a, originally a 36 part course that is going to be spread out over uh, a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll define what textual criticism is, how to count the variants, uh, what's the number and the nature of the variants. Very important questions. How ancient books were made, uh, and then we we'll, we will talk about the materials and the methods for doing textual criticism. Uh, Famous manuscripts, famous scholars throughout history, the history of the discipline, and in particular how the King James was dethroned back in the 1880s uh, by uh, some scholars who really wrestled with the data and uh, saw that there was an earlier text than what stands behind the King James Bible. We'll look at resources that are online and discuss several significant texture problems. So that's kind of the course uh, in a nutshell, as I said, but uh, we we cover a lot of ground in those uh, few weeks.
0: And friends, if you want to take this course with one of the top scholars in the world, all you need to do is go to crossexamine.org, click on resources, you'll see online courses. The first course listed there is Textual Criticism with Dr. Dan Wallace. When you click on that, it'll give you your options and there are three options here. You can take the course self-paced. You could start it tomorrow if you want. Uh, you could take kind of a middle way in between the self-paced and the premium. It's called complete. If you do premium, not only will you be guided through the course uh, by a mentor, Michael Patton from Credo Courses, but you're also going to have an opportunity to interact live with Dr. Dan Wallace, our guest today, over three different Zoom meetings. So you come online on your computer, you see Dr. Wallace. He ask or he, he can call on you for a question. You can ask a question and interact with him on this and and this is what we're doing with our online courses now. We're not just giving you video of the of the instructor, but we're giving you periods where you can interact with the instructors themselves and ask questions. So, so this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Unless you want to move to Dallas, Texas and go to Dallas Theological Seminary, you're not going to get the opportunity to interact with Dr. Wallace. So just click on... Uh, click on crossexamine.org resources and you'll see the online course offerings there and uh, this is a a great opportunity, we've done it with Dr. Habermas now we're doing it with Dr. Wallace so check into this I think the course begins October 30th and goes right up to just before Christmas so you'll have plenty of time to delve into these 35 or 36 different lectures and uh, Dan I've I've seen the video for this and you've done a fabulous job of, of really zeroing in on the main issues in textual criticism. This is the kind of class you teach at a seminary level, basically? It would, 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 would that be it?
1: Well, at seminary level, of course, I assume the students have had uh, uh, a few years of Greek, and so we can get into the details uh, much more. Right. But it, it covers uh, kind of the same ground, and I have taught this material as a men course, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, when, when I get into uh, PhD classes, uh, the students have to uh, work in the Greek manuscripts uh, pretty extensively, and they're, they're actually uh, transcribing the data that nobody has transcribed before ever. Wow. Uh, at that time, new manuscript discoveries and others that, that just have a good look at them. Well,
0: we're going to see a lot more with Dr. Wallace here on this program. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with a D on the end of it.org. We're not only going to talk more about manuscript evidence today, but how you can get involved to actually preserve manuscripts. So don't go away. We're back in just two minutes. Thank you for listening to the Cross examined podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the donate button, or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. The FM dial looking for national public radio. Go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent, anyway. You're listening to Cross Examine with Frank Turek and the American Family Radio Network. My guest today is one of the foremost New Testament manuscript scholars in the world, Dr. Dan Wallace, originally from California, kind of a surfer dude, but now he lives in Dallas, Texas, and he is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminaries, one of the best seminaries in the world, and he is also. Also, the director, the executive director for the Center of the, uh, the Study of New Testament Manuscripts, we'll talk about in a few minutes. But let's go back to the manuscript evidence, Dan, if, if, if we could. You talked about um, reconstructing the original by looking at the manuscripts. The question is, do, do originals exist in other works of antiquity, say Josephus or Tacitus, or do scholars need to go through the same kind of process of reconstructing those works as well?
1: Well, we don't have the originals of other ancient Greco-Roman literature either, but scholars can't go through the same exact process because the materials for uh, almost all of these ancient authors is so scarce that they they have really slim pickings to, to uh, put together. So, for example, you've got Suetonius, I think, who wrote 135 volumes on Roman history, and we only have about 40 of them left. Uh, And and even those, we have late manuscripts on them. The average Greco-Roman author has less than 15 manuscripts of his writing still in existence today. And the average age of those manuscripts, or the average earliest age of those manuscripts, is somewhere between 500 and 1,000 years after that author wrote. Hmm. So, yes, these uh, scholars with other materials have to uh, uh, do textual criticism, but they have far less material to work with, and it's much later than we have for the New Testament.
0: So it's very common to have just manuscript copies, but you're saying they're much later, 500 years after, the, say, the original was written than the New Testament. Well, How does the New Testament compare
1: to that? Well, our earliest manuscripts actually come from the second century, within 100 years of the completion of the New Testament. And uh, at this stage, we have as many as a dozen of them. Uh, that are uh, uh, in the 2nd century or right on the cusp of the 2nd century. They're all papyri. That was the uh, original material the New Testament was written in. And that means they're very um, uh, fragile. They have been preserved in the dry sands of Egypt. That's how they've been discovered. Uh, as of about the last uh, 120 years, they started to get discovered uh, much more frequently. But we we only average about one new papyrus discovery every year. So they're still very rare manuscripts, but very important manuscripts.
0: Now, the John Rylands fragment you just mentioned discovered in Egypt, and that is dated to the early second century. Is that right?
1: Yeah. uh, Papyrus number 52, which is housed at the John Rylands Library of Manchester University in England, was uh, discovered in 1934 by uh, C.H. Roberts, who was working at the library, and he inherited a box of papyrus scraps from the previous uh, curator there and discovered this very small fragment about the size of a credit card, if you will. And what he noticed about it was that there was writing on both uh, the inside and the outside of this fragment. Now, on papyrus, they used to write this only on on the horizontal fibers that were on the inside of the roll, But if writing was on both sides, that normally indicated that we're dealing with not a papyrus roll, but a papyrus codex. C.H. Roberts ended up writing the book on uh, the uh, origin of the codex, and uh, the codex is like our modern book form. Uh, It's uh, where it's bound on one side, you've got cut pages, it's not like a, a, a roll or a scroll. And that book form was invented in the second half of the first century. Roberts is the one who did all the all the best work on this. And what he discovered was that Christian books, uh, by and large, were written on a codex from the very beginning, while as non-Christian books until A.D. 500 were written on a, a scroll. And so by, by, by about 500 years after the beginning of, of the Christian faith, we finally get manuscripts written on a codex uh, by the majority of even non-Christian writers. This was the first and I think only time in the history of the Church that we were ahead of the technological curve. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we're talking to dr dan wallace we're talking textual criticism and the new course that he's about to begin teaching here on october 30th go to cross click on resources you'll see it new testament textual criticism one of the foremost scholars in the world on this subject and this particular john rylance fragment you're talking about uh dan that is the earliest Piece of the New Testament that we have in existence is that correct? At least to this point. I know there's one we'll talk about later that may be earlier, but it, it's not totally been verified yet. What does this say? If, if John, this is from the Gospel of John, and it is, and it's it's early first century. What does that say about the authorship, date, and the the area to which John spread by the early second century?
1: Well, it was it, the, the papyrus should be dated somewhere between 100 and 150. Okay, so it's it's very early. I think it actually comes closer to 100. But it's extremely difficult to date these early papyri within more than about a 50-year period. But the closest parallels to this manuscript actually are dated to the 90s. Wow. And so uh, it, it's uh, very significant. It's got John 18, verses 31 through 33 on one side, and you flip it over, and it's verses 37 and 38 of the same chapter. Now, that, again, tells us that we've got an early codex. The fact is that when C.H. Roberts discovered it in thirty-four, got it published in 1935— Mm-hmm. The predominant view about John's gospel was that here's a book that was written late uh, in uh, perhaps even the second century. F.C. Bauer at Chivagin University argued it was could not have been written any earlier than 160, and he thought 170 was the right date. Now, if John's gospel is that late, then you can throw it out in terms of being historical right. uh, about the life of Jesus in any sense. What Roberts did is he showed, no, here's a scrap of papyrus that has proved that this two tons of assumption that uh, Bauer started is is really faulty, and so uh, Roberts' discovery was was massive. It showed that John's Gospel was significantly earlier than kind of a common consensus in Europe at the time. And this and some other discoveries suggested that John's Gospel must be dated uh, sometime within the first century. Most scholars today dated in the 90s, uh, some even dated as early as the 60s. So this is this was a huge discovery, and it, in a sense, it it put John back on the map for telling us something that is historically true about Jesus.
0: Now, what's your view on this, Dan? Because I've heard some scholars say, well, John, as you just mentioned, may prior to 70 because in John 5, he talks about the Pool of Bethesda as if it's there at the time when he's writing, which wouldn't be the case in, after 70. What's your view on the date of, of John's writing?
1: Well, I, I wrote an article in uh, Biblica that got published in 1990. Biblica is the uh, Vatican's official scholarly journal, uh, and it was called John 5-2 and the Date of the Fourth Gospel. Oh, wow. I didn't even know and, that. Uh, You're I argue, an expert. <laughs> uh, well, I, it was a paper I read at Society of Biblical Literature, and then I spent nearly 1,000 hours on, on research in this. And uh, I, I argued that when it says, now there is... Uh, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Beth, Bethesda or Bethesda. Right. The point is that when it says there is this pool, uh, the verb is, present tense, I argued could only be referring to a pool that still existed at the time that John wrote that, mm. and the Pool of Bethesda was destroyed in AD seventy when the Romans uh, took over uh, Jerusalem. Right, and so that argues that John is writing some time before that, uh, and so I, I argued that this this uh, uh, gospel probably should be dated in the sixties.
0: Right. All right that's what i that's what I thought but i'm the, I'm not the expert i'm you've already written on this. I didn't even know you wrote specifically on that topic from nineteen ninety you said
1: yeah, that's when it was published.
0: Wow, we're talking to Dr. Dan Wallace, who is a New Testament scholar, particularly on manuscript evidence uh he teaches at Dallas Theological Seminary, new course he's teaching. Uh, that you can access right across examine.org click on resources you'll see the course there new testament criticism begins october 30th Uh, dan you mentioned uh that the average uh manuscript from antiquity may have or, or writing from antiquity may have 15 or so documents manuscripts that we can access today what What's the case with the New Testament and how far of a gap between the original and the first copy on average?
1: When it comes to the copies of the New Testament, we have uh, an embarrassment of riches. uh, The the other scholars have a dearth of data. We have an embarrassment of riches. It is so much material that it takes a community to sift through it. And we are still sifting through this material that we have known about and published on since the printing press, really. And uh, we've got, for example, uh, the Greek manuscripts, which the New Testament was originally written in. We have, uh, the latest count is about Mm 5,860 Greek New Testament manuscripts. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the most important manuscripts because they're um, copies in the same language as the original, so they're going to be copies of copies of copies that ultimately um, go back to the original. 5,860 manuscripts. Then we have the ancient translations, Latin, Coptic, Syriac, uh, other lang- uh, languages and the, the best guess on that is we have somewhere between 15 and 20,000 manuscripts in these ancient languages mm-hmm. now you combine those two together the greek manuscripts and, and uh, ancient versions and we've got between 20 and 25,000 copies of the new testament written before the time of the printing press mm-hmm. now the average size of those manuscripts is well over 400 pages. So we're not talking about little scraps of papyrus for the most part, although we do have those. We're talking about an average of over 400 pages for these manuscripts. Of the Greek manuscripts alone, that means we've got more than 2 million pages of text. Now, when it comes to the date of these manuscripts, Uh, They go back to, as I said, the 2nd century for some of them. Uh, We have some from the 3rd and 4th and all this. And by the time we get to, in fact, the the beginning of the 4th century, about A.D. 300, we have over 60 manuscripts. By the time we get to the end of the fourth century, we have the complete New Testament uh, in, in just a single manuscript, but others are, are very extensive. And uh, once we get through the fifth century, then we've got many copies of uh, the various books of the New Testament. So. That's, again, just in the manuscripts themselves. You add to this quotations from the Church Fathers, which number well over a million, and the data are just, it's impossible to sift through without a a large community of scholars doing so.
0: In fact, I want to ask you about the early Church Fathers, because there's been some confusion about that. That will clear up with Dr. Dan Wallace. He's our guest today from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's teaching a new course that you can access at crossexamine.org. Click on Resources. You'll see it begins October 30th. Limited to just about 35 or 40 people per section, so uh, you better sign up soon to get with Dan Wallace. I'm Frank Turk. We're back in just two minutes with more about textual criticism and the manuscript evidence and what you can do to preserve it. Don't go away. Testament manuscripts. Can we trust the New Testament documents? How many manuscripts do we have? How do we reconstruct these manuscripts? Where do we find manuscripts? How do we preserve them? We're talking to Dr. Dan Wallace. He is the Executive Director of the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. He's also a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He is also teaching a class online that you can access. and You can even go online during this class and ask him questions live via video. You just need to go to crossexamine.org, click on Resources. You'll see online courses there. Sign up soon. There's a limited number that will be in this class. It begins October 30 if you want to be a part of it. Now, Dan, I've been mentioning to our, our listeners the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. I've known about this for a little while, but you're the executive director, and this is an amazing project that people can actually be a part of. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, let me tell you the first thing about it that they should know. If they're uh, driving or don't have access to uh, a place where they can write the information down right now, they should know how to get to the website. Right. Center for Study of New Testament Manuscripts has a website with just the initial CSNTM. Dot org, O-R-G. And the way to remember this is if I'm sure every Christian knows who C.S. Lewis is. So you've got the first two letters C.S. Right. And uh, most people have seen the Wizard of Oz. Hmm. A character in the Wizard of Oz is Auntie M. And that's the last three letters. So you've got C.S. and If you can remember those two things, you've got the uh, website's initials, and you can get them.
0: CSNTM. Okay, good. .org, .org. What do you guys do?
1: Well, our initial project is to digitize or make sure they are digitized every single Greek New Testament manuscript in the world. And uh, we've been around for 15 years. We are the world's leading institute in digitizing biblical manuscripts. Uh, We've uh, photographed over half a million pages of manuscripts. And we are putting these online so that they will be free for all and free for all time. Researchers at the click of a a mouse button anywhere in the world can access these images and help them with their investigation of the New Testament text.
0: Now, before the break, you had mentioned there are over two million pages, maybe up to two and a half million. You've already got about a half a million photographed right now. Now, you and I spoke earlier, and you said if you get the right funding, You're going to be able to go on several expeditions over the next two years, but I know you can't really tell me where those, or not specifically where those locations are, but can you tell us a little bit about some of the recent expeditions and what you've discovered there at the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts?
1: Yeah, I sure can. We've been to uh, over 40 different sites throughout the world, I think, I can't remember how many countries we've been in, but it's been on uh, three continents. And most recently, in the last four years, we photographed some of the most important New Testament manuscripts and one of the largest collections. Uh, we went in 2013 to Chester Beatty Library in Dublin Ireland and photographed the three, three of the earliest New Testament papyri that we have. These include the earliest manuscript of Paul's letters, and it's got most of Paul's letters in there, even though it's the very earliest one we have of Paul. Uh, one of the earliest manuscripts of the Gospels and Acts, and the earliest papyrus fragment, uh, or several fragments for uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, That was in 2013-2014. We went to the University of Michigan to photograph the rest of one of these manuscripts that's housed in two different places. And then in 2015 and 2016, 44 people were trained by CSNTM to go to the National Library of Greece in Athens and digitize their collection. That took us two years of work to do. We uh, we had to raise about $800,000 to get this done. It was more than 300 manuscripts. We photographed over 150,000 pages of manuscripts. We discovered more than 20 manuscripts while we were there. And all the data uh, in TIFF format comes to approximately 45 terabytes. Mm. We use state-of-the-art equipment, Uh, we give these uh, uh, images to the library, and we post the images on our website as well. It was a huge project, and we are grateful for uh, the Greeks to work with us. We've got some other places that now are opening their doors, and all we need is the funding to be able to go.
0: How do you get funded?
1: We get funding through donations. Uh, CSNTM is a 501c3 a tax deductible, uh, institute. So anybody who gives to it is going to get a tax deduction. Uh, private donations, some foundations, uh, some companies, uh, give to us, but especially individuals are, are crucial. We do have, uh, a couple of churches that, uh, have put us kind of on their mission, uh, the board. So, or not on their mission board, but their mission giving. And CSNTM has been getting, uh, some funding from places like that. We continue to have great needs, that if we just have the funding, we can get these manuscripts digitized, and we've got some really exciting trips that are coming up that are in a variety of places throughout the world.
0: And I think you had mentioned at a a previous time that the cost to basically from, as we say, soup to nuts, everything included to get a full manuscript page digitized is $10, correct?
1: Yeah, it's it's it, that includes all the travel costs, the hotel, the airfare, bringing the uh, state of the art equipment with us, uh, paying the salaries. We don't pay very well, but we do pay uh, people to to help do this work, and um, the uh, the post production work, which takes quite a few months, typically on a large project like the National Library of Greece, all that comes to about ten dollars a page.
0: So, friends, if you go to CS, as, is, as in C.S. Lewis, N.T.M. as in N.T.M., .org, CSNTM dot .org, and click on Donate, you can actually preserve, for as long as the earth is around, a page from an ancient manuscript for $10. Every $10 you give is going to preserve a page of the New Testament. Think about that. A New Testament manuscript, and as Dan said earlier, we're talking to Dr. Dan Wallace from Dallas Theological Seminary and the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. The goal is to, to, to digitally photograph all 2.5 or so million known pages of New Testament manuscripts. They're only about a fifth of the way there, a quarter of the way there. They're going to need some funding to get the rest of it done. So every $10 you give at CSNTM.org will go to preserve a New Testament manuscript page. Think about that, friends. You can do that, and you can donate right there. It's tax deductible. You can go right to that website, cs. SNTM.org and donate. Now, Dan, you had mentioned to me privately that you're going to some places that you can't really say, but can you give us a region of the world that people could say, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, I'll mention three regions that uh, we will be going to in the next two years as long as we get the funding. We don't uh, advertise ahead of time exactly where we're going because when we get there, when you've got uh, really expensive equipment, we don't want it to get stolen at the airports, and so we we tell people afterwards where we've gone to, but uh, someone could go to our our website and see uh, our description of some of these expeditions, but upcoming in the next two years are several sites in Greece, which has uh, the largest uh, collection of Greek New Testament manuscripts, as you might expect, Mm -hmm. Uh, some sites in Eastern Europe, especially the former uh, Soviet Bloc countries, and And the Middle East. Now, these are really promising uh, locations that are going to give us some of the most valuable manuscripts that we possibly can get. And uh, the doors are, are beginning to open just in the last couple of weeks. Some of these doors have opened. It's incredible.
0: Well, you're the only one doing this that I know of, uh, and it needs to be done because as uh, time goes on, these manuscripts age. They need to be preserved digitally, and this can be done at the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. My guest today, Dr. Dan Wallace, who, by the way, will tell you more about this if you take the course, the course he's teaching, which you can access right through crossexamine.org. Click on Resources. You'll see see the course in in Textual Criticism, New Testament Textual Criticism by Dr. Dan Wallace starts October 30th. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions of Dr. Wallace live, uh, right via Zoom, at least on three occasions during the course. So you'll want to sign up quickly here for that. Uh, now, Dan, let's 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 go back to that course a little bit. Well, be, be, before we do, you, you you did mention something that was very intriguing. You said we discovered some new manuscripts and going to some of these sites. What do you mean you discovered them? I mean, how do you discover new manuscripts going to these libraries? <laughs>
1: Well, we do not do archaeological work. Our discoveries, Uh what that means is one of two things. First, it may mean that we are uh, examining and photographing a manuscript that the library knows about, Uh but New Testament scholars do not know about. New Testament scholars know about manuscripts through the filter of the Institute for New Testament uh, Textual Research in Münster, Germany. They're the ones who are the official catalogers of these manuscripts. When we photograph manuscripts, we send them the images, and it takes about a year, maybe a little bit less time, for them to officially catalog one of these discoveries. And uh, they they are the ones who are kind of the the keepers of the numbers of the manuscripts and where they're located. So we have uh, collaborated with them to, to get these discoveries known. A second way in which something is discovered is that the library itself does not know that they have... Uh, the manuscript. Sometimes uh, in their catalogs it just says this looks like a Greek manuscript or a liturgical text or something like that. And even in Greece we have found some manuscripts that the librarians uh, did not know were New Testament manuscripts. That didn't happen at the National Library of Greece. They are very uh, uh, well qualified and they know what they've got. But we still discovered 21 manuscripts there, some of which were kind of buried in other known texts. Wow. For example, a manuscript can be as as little as just a few verses like P52 and on occasion what you'll have is a parchment leaf that is glued to the inside cover of uh, a codex and it's it's glued to that and then to the first uh, page of the of the uh, manuscript so that it keeps the whole text together and uh so it's kind of used as a binding leaf, if you will, and we discover these things that are just sitting there glued to the to the inside cover, and all of a sudden we discover, hey, this is a ninth century manuscript of john's gospel, <laughs> so uh those are things that are typically not known, but wow. another way that we have discovered manuscripts, is we find manuscripts that are called palimpsests. That means they were uh, scraped over and written on top of centuries later. So the palimpsest, that's what the Greek word means, is is, uh, uh, write again. And uh, what this means is that... These manuscripts are underneath the text of a later manuscript. It's kind of like when you were in grade school and you had your lined paper and you wrote in pencil all the time, and you discovered that your answer was wrong. You would then erase it and then put something on top of it. It's All right, that hold the thought, Dan. that we're looking for. Hold the
0: thought. We're going to come back. We're coming up to a hard break. We're talking to Dr. Dan Wallace, teaching a new class in textual criticism. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on resources. You can see it. And uh, we've got a lot more with him in the final segment, so don't go away. We're back in just two. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. Next week, I'm actually going to be up in Anchorage, Alaska, Anchorage Baptist Temple, October 29th. And then on October 30th, we're going to be doing the University of Alaska at Anchorage. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, so if you're up there and... The Great White North. Hope to see you up there. It's open to the public 7 p.m. Monday, October 30th. And the following week, we're in Nashville. And uh, right after that, Michigan. Uh, in Nashville, we'll be with Robbie Zacharias, J. Warner Wallace, and a few other folks uh, right there in Murfreesboro. All the details are on our website, acrossexamined.org. And uh, don't forget, upcoming, the new course with Dr. Dan Wallace, my guest today. We've been talking about New Testament Criticism, which is basically New Testament research. How do we reconstruct what the original said? How good is the manuscript evidence? What is the manuscript evidence? How do you discover new manuscripts? And Dan Wallace is doing all this personally himself. He's been a scholar for many years in this field. He's debated Bart Ehrman several times. In fact, Dan, before we get back to what you were saying with regard to um, with regard to discovering uh, manuscripts, other manuscripts. Let me just ask you one question about Bart Ehrman, then we'll go back to that topic. You've debated him, uh, I think, three times, and he claims something like there are more variants in the New Testament manuscripts than there are words in the New Testament. That that really sounds like a problem for a believer in the Bible. Is that really a a problem?
1: Well, first of all, he's, he's actually understating the case uh-huh. There's at least three times as many variants as we have words in the original New Testament. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we have about 138,000 words in the New Testament and over half a million textual variants for, for this. And, and counting, it's it, it's an estimate, but it's a good estimate. Now, is it a problem for Christians? Well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, the more variants we have, the more able we are to discover the exact wording of the original, because we can start comparing variant with variant, and we'll see, oh, this wording must have come from this wording. Uh, so, for example, the scribes had a kind of a, a, a pious approach to them, and if, they, if a scribe was copying out two different manuscripts, and one of them simply said... He told his disciples, and the other one said, Mm -hmm. Jesus told his disciples. Well, the scribe is going to put in the name of Jesus. They're not going to uh, automatically or even consciously delete it if they ever see it in a manuscript. Right. And Consequently, the text grew over time in clarity and in, in piety. But does this affect any Christian doctrines? Even Bart Ehrman himself said in his book, Misquoting Jesus, no essential doctrine. the Christian faith is jeopardized
0: by any of these variants and you you've debated him on that topic my question for him would be why'd you write the book then what's the big deal it's kind of chicken little as you put it right what what's what's the point of the book.
1: Yeah, I think he was trying to demonstrate that these doctrines are in jeopardy, but it was actually in the paperback edition that he admitted that they don't affect any essential doctrines. The paperback edition came out a few months after his uh, hard copy in, I think it was 2005, and... uh, That book sold, I think, 100,000 copies in the first three months. It was a, a big seller. It was on John Stewart's The Daily Show. He interviewed him, and that shot it to number one on Amazon. But when the paperback edition came out, the editors wanted to keep the sales going, and so they asked him some questions in an added appendix. And one of those questions was, why do you disagree with your mentor, Dr. Bruce Metzger, at Princeton Seminary? that uh, there are textual variants that actually do jeopardize uh, essential doctrines of the, of the Christian faith. He said, well, I don't actually disagree with Dr. Metzger on that, uh, but well, I wrote the book for uh, to show that there are some minor issues that may be affected, but not any essential doctrines.
0: That's amazing. In fact, that is on, for those of you who have the book, Misquoting Jesus, the paperback version, that happens to be on page 252, where Bart Ehrman basically agrees then with Dan Wallace that we can can reconstruct the New Testament very accurately, despite his book. In fact, I've always said the book should not be called Misquoting Jesus. It ought to be called Misquoting Ehrman, because... Um, he, he does agree that we can reconsider. How much, I mean, I mean, do, are we 100% sure of everything in the text, Dan? Are, are there any areas we're unsure of?
1: Oh, no, we're not 100% sure, but we're well over 99% sure of what the original text is. And of the remainder, uh, the, the vast majority of those places uh, do not affect anything. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the great majority of our variants cannot even be translated. The largest category are those that are just spelling differences. For example, every time you see the name John in your New Testament, in Greek, It can be spelled two different ways, and we always have witnesses that spell it one way and witnesses that spell it another way. Same with the name Moses, but Moses has never spelled Noah or Jesus. (laughs) You're not going to have that kind of a change. Uh, You'll just have a different spelling. So it it affects nothing uh, as far as uh, what we're reading in English or in other languages.
0: Now, you've also made the point uh, earlier in the program, I want to ask you about it because there is some confusion on this point. How much of the New Testament can you reconstruct from just the quotations of the early church fathers? And I assume early church fathers were talking about first, second and third century. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, through uh, uh, AD 300, that would be the right. first three centuries. Yeah, it has it, it has been alleged for a long, long time, and apologists especially say this that all but eleven verses of the New Testament can be re- reconstructed from the statements, the quotations of the New Testament by these early church fathers. Mm-hmm. The problem is that that is not true. It's mm-hmm. based on someone who heard somebody else. Uh, tell the story about uh, this that happened in the 1800s. And a man by the name of David Dalrymple is the one who did the work on this. And the story got muddled as uh, friends told friends. And then somebody published a book on it. What Dalrymple did was he tried to find out how much of John's gospel, not the whole New Testament, but just John's gospel, could be reconstructed from the quotations by the church fathers in the first three centuries. And he said all but about a dozen verses can be reconstructed. So that's the the problem is it was not the whole New Testament, just John's gospel. But if you go through the uh, 13 or so centuries of uh, what we consider the church fathers, they, they go early and late. We have well over a million quotations of the Church Fathers of of the New Testament, and we're still counting them. We have no idea really how many there are. But I believe, and Bruce Metzger and even Bart Ehrman have uh, uh, said this, that we can construct virtually the whole New Testament many times over just on the basis of these quotations by the Church Fathers.
0: Wow. So throw out all the manuscripts you're still reconstructing the New Testament. That is exactly. a, that is amazing. What what a as you say an embarrassment of riches there. Now, we just got a few minutes left Dan. I want to remind people that they can contribute to preserving New Testament manuscripts by going to csntm.org and donating. Every $10 you donate is actually going to preserve digitally a page of a New Testament manuscript, an ancient New Testament manuscript somewhere around the world. Dr. Dan Wallace, my guest today, is actually doing that with a team of professionals. He's traveling the world and he's photographing with high-quality cameras all the New Testament manuscripts he can find. There are more than 2.5 million pages of this around the world. And Dan is making it a personal mission to go get these and photograph them. And he's he's done over a half million already. He's got a long way to go. He needs help. If you can donate there, tax-free tax or tax-free donation at csntm.org. Every $10 will we'll, we'll go to preserve a page. And Dan, uh, before the last break, you were talking about that you've discovered some new manuscripts doing this. You've discovered manuscripts under manuscripts, and you've also rediscovered some manuscripts. Explain some of that. How so?
1: Well, the manuscripts we've discovered that are under others are called palimpsests, where a scribe centuries later wanted to uh, reuse that parchment leaf because he didn't want to go and kill another goat to, to make his last couple of leaves for his manuscript. So he just scrapes off a really old one that maybe uh, is difficult to read, or uh, they, they weren't sure uh, exactly how to use it, or they were just tempted to scrape it because it's a whole lot easier uh, to reuse a parchment leaf than it is to uh, get a new one from killing another animal. So we found a number of our New Testament manuscripts are palimpsests and the one that CSMTM discovered uh, of, of the several palimpsests we've we found is uh, the oldest manuscript now at the Ecumenical Patriarchate of Constantinople. Mm. We were there in 2004 and we, we uh, photographed some of the oldest manuscripts that they have. This is the equivalent of the Vatican for the Greek Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox faith. And one of the manuscripts was used as kind of an in-house uh, diary by a scribe, probably in the 13th century. And underneath it was Mark chapter 3 and Mark chapter 6 in the last two leaves of this manuscript. Now we spent an entire day photographing that. But at the time, we did not have the kind of equipment that would help us to read it well. And uh, what uh, CSNTM is going to be getting very soon is what's called multispectral imaging equipment, which enables us to read text that has completely disappeared uh, that is underneath some other text. It's used for these uh, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and some of the uh, Herculaneum papyri that were found close to Mount Vesuvius that have been completely scorched and blackened. And multispectral imaging is helping us to see that. So that's what we're we're doing with these palimpsests, but we've also rediscovered some other manuscripts. Uh, for example, at Princeton University, there's a manuscript that the Institute at Münster, which catalogs all these, says was burnt or destroyed. Well, I had a chance to look at it, and sure enough, it had been burnt on the edges, but it was by no means destroyed. The manuscript was completely intact. You could read every word in it. Uh, in Albania, We discovered uh, or rediscovered several manuscripts that uh, had been taken by the communist government since the 1940s. And uh, in Münster, they thought that these manuscripts were completely lost, and they had been lost for decades. We rediscovered those, and on top of that, discovered another 28 manuscripts that were at the National Archives, which made news in about 100 international newspapers. It was a huge discovery. We really could use the funds to help us discover more manuscripts and digitize these and digitally preserve these manuscripts before they deteriorate or are destroyed by those who want to uh, harm the Christian faith.
0: Amazing. CSNTM.org. Donate. Every $10 you donate will go to photograph another manuscript. And could you imagine taking a course from this guy, Dr. Dan Wallace? You can do so. Go to crossexamine.org, click on Resources before October 30th, and be a part of the course. You can ask him questions live. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. This is going to be an amazing course. You want to be a part of it. I'm Frank Turek. I'll see you next week. God bless.